struggle with multiple demands in life. Most people do, but working women, especially women in leadership, struggle with this issue a lot. How to balance work and home life and prioritize when everything is important. When there are too many to-dos, you can't focus properly and your productivity goes down, what to do? In today's interview, Shalaza Bainbridge is going to share how she applies agile methods to her daily life and share how you can too for a balanced and happy life with minimum stress. Are you ready? Hello friends, if this is the first time you are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina. I have been helping people with stress, anxiety, and depression for the last 20 years. And as a psychiatrist, which is a medical doctor specializing in mental health, I'm also a clinical professor at University of Washington and author of the best-selling book, Stress to Joy. And you are watching and listening to Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, a weekly program where we share practical tips for mental fitness. And today our guest is Shaliza Bainbridge. Hi, Shaliza. Hi, Dr. Rosina. How are you? Hi, everyone. Hi. So Shalaza is a creator of shalazab.com and head of human-centered delivery at Agile by Design. She has over 20 years of corporate experience and helps professionals to increase their influence and impact in order to lead lasting, meaningful changes within their organization. And I am so excited for her to be here because we are talking such an important topic that I also struggle with. So I am really excited to learn some techniques from her. Of course, if you like, please subscribe and hit the bell button, whichever platform you are on. This is a live recording. So if you put some questions, we'll, be, we'll try to answer them during the show. So Shalaza, tell us how this issue of prioritization became so important in your life. How was it before you started applying these techniques in your life? Yeah, first of all, Dr. Zina, thank you for having me on this show. I am so excited and so happy to be here with you and with your viewers. So thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for the question as well. So I am no different than anyone else, right? Um, as a bit of a background for your viewers so that you can understand kind of what my lifestyle looks like. I'm a mother, I have two children, I have a 13 year old boy and a seven year old boy. I am married, you know, I have all the adult responsibilities of someone who has a family and my husband and I are both business people. And so as I'm sure many of you can relate to, having a lifestyle like that means that there is always so much on the go. And it's changed a lot, right? In the last six months as well, it seems like there's sometimes even more things that we that we are trying to consider and do. So employing the things that I'm going to share with you today really helps to manage down a few things for me. In absence of those things, here's what would happen to me. I, with all of the things that I have on the go, what can tend to happen to me and to many people is that you start to feel slowly a lack of control setting in. And that lack of control can allow certain things to permeate into your life. So it can mean that because you don't have a clear view of everything and you're, and you're a little out of control in terms of all the stuff on your plate, that you might run the risk of overcommitting to things as well. And when you overcommit, you also run the risk of delivering, but under delivering. 
And other things happen as well. You find that, okay, now that you have so many things, you really have the best of intentions, but you start to break promises to yourself. Like I've got so many things, I just simply can't make it to the gym. And that doesn't feel good. And and then that whole cycle sort of compounds onto itself. So employing these tactics means that I'm able to now minimize that load and get back into a sense of great control and the sense of fulfillment that comes from that around now, look at all the stuff that I have done. Just, it makes everything feel so great. I am able to relate to it so much. Yes. I also struggle with these things and I have applied my own techniques that, that helped me, but I'm really excited to hear what helped you. But before we go into that, tell us what is this agile method you're talking about? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So agile is let me back up a little bit. So when we get called in as coaches and consultants, we usually get called into very large organizations who themselves are feeling some version of what we feel as people. They are feeling like there's a lot on the go. There's a bit of a lack of control. They see that in metrics a lot of the time. Maybe their churn is higher, the revenue isn't where it should be. And those are like indicators, right? In the same way that we might feel, (laughs) maybe our blood pressure is a little high and other things might be going on, they have indicators as well. So they call us in to say, hey, you know, at a very, very macro level, we need to work differently and we need your help with that. And so we teach organizations, and of course, that means the people within them, how to prioritize differently. And you can't do 30 things at once. It's not possible, even if you have a team of 10. So, you know, how to prioritize, how to visualize your work, how to create trust in a team so that you're able to deliver what you need to deliver and add incredible value to your customer. And so, and that's just barely scratching the surface. So that's where Agile sort of originated for me in my career. But as we were in these organizations, the people that we were interacting with also started to say, wait a minute, I could totally do this at home. (laughs) And and of course, as coaches and consultants ourselves, we live, eat, breathe these things. And so the two things that I would like to share with you today are probably the top two things that where we start, which is how do you prioritize? This is a big problem for organizations and it's a big problem for people. So how do you prioritize? And then there's a second piece to that, which is there's power in visualizing everything that you have on your plate. And I don't mean just in a notebook or in an Excel spreadsheet, but I mean literally on a wall so we can get into those two things. That's wonderful. I am eager to learn. So go ahead, Chalaza, tell us what would be your first tip that we can apply in our life. Great. Okay. So let's just dive right into prioritization. So it's interesting that people and companies have a tough, tough time with this because everything seems like it needs to be in the top spot. So a tool that we have shared with people in the past is the technical term is called qualitative cost of delay. Really what that is, you guys, is a three by three matrix. So if you, and it looks like this. So think of three by three matrix On one axis, you have urgency. On the other axis, you have value. So then you have high, medium, and low for each of those. So you can imagine, if you even draw this out now on a piece of paper, 
high, medium, low urgency against high, medium, low value, your top right quadrant would be your very high top priority items. Now, later on in this conversation, I'll go through quickly some tips to make this really, really effective for you. But one key piece of it is getting really honest and specific and precise about what high means, what medium means, and what low means. For example, high value does not mean, you You know, if you say high revenue or something that brings in high revenue, that's not good enough. If you can say, you know, if revenue is, let's say, what you would use to help quantify value, then it's very important you get specific. Anything over X dollars or between this and this equals high. The more specific you can get on your definitions of high, medium, low, the more effective this prioritization tool will be. So how would we apply in daily life? Give us an example from your life. What would be a high, medium, low? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to, it, it changes all the time. But let's say if if it's something that you're, and, and by the way, this is going to be different for everybody, right? For someone who doesn't have children, for example, their high, medium, low will be very different. But if you take a look at urgency, there are some things in there that would be very urgent. We will drop everything if it means there's something going on with our kids' health. So our greatest clients are, and you know, we create relationships so that when those things pop up, there's understanding, you know, and kind of mutual respect for those things. So, but that would be a top priority item for me. High value, of course, high urgency is my children's health. Luckily, knock on wood, you know, we've not had to pop anything into that, that quadrant that pertains to that, but that's an example. A client or someone kind of, you know, reaching out to us ad hoc asking for help, and maybe it's a low revenue item, but maybe it's going to take maybe 10 hours of work. I mean, we have to be very clear with ourselves on whether or not for us, first and foremost, where the value and urgency is. And so it the way that it can be defined is really kind of endless. And it's so specific to each family member and to each person. That's wonderful. Yeah, it kind of reminds me about the quadrant method that I've shared in my book from Stephen Covey's quadrant of importance and urgency. Uh, yeah. What is important and urgent versus what is non-important, non-urgent. So it seems like it's similar to that, but a little more advanced. It, it's similar. And as you know, a coach and consultant myself, what we would do is help people, whether it's on an individual basis or organizationally, really get as specific as possible on those individual definitions. Wonderful. So tell us what other things we can do. So hand in hand with prioritization. So imagine for a minute that you have 30 different things in your world right now. And imagine that you've gone through this prioritization exercise and let's pretend they're evenly distributed across all the different squares. Now, what do you do? Well, presumably you would start with the high, the very high items first. So high urgency, high value items first, but what do you do with it? So as a complement to this exercise, we urge people, we encourage people to visualize their work. And when we say visualize, we literally mean on a wall. And people are like, well, I don't know if I have space or I don't know, like I don't have a whiteboard. Here's how we do it even in organizations. We will take painter's tape. We'll go out and buy a stack of stickies, maybe some different colors. We'll go out and get some Sharpies. And we literally will put up four columns 
on the wall. And it doesn't have to take up a ton of space. If in absence, you, you, you know, you don't have the space and you can't put it up, there's some other tools that you can use that will, that are, that are effective. However, you, I really want you guys to trust me when I say it, there is power in having it on your wall and looking at it every single day. So that's our first choice. So what we call that whole thing around visualizing your work in this grid format, we call it a Kanban and it's spelled K-A-N-B-A-N and you have it on the screen there. That is, that it's an agile methodology. Now at its simplest form, it has four columns. You will have what's called a backlog, followed by next, followed by in progress, followed by done. And that is the, ba the most basic version of a visual, uh, a, a visual system of work. Now, here's where it's, it gets really cool. Your backlog will, in essence, contain everything that you had in your cost of delay exercise. It will have everything as listed there. However, your next column will only house the prioritized items. So you've already prioritized using cost of delay but now you're going to actually do a second round of prioritization. So let's pretend you had 30 evenly distributed across all of the quadrants. And let's say there were five in your very high quadrant. Now you're going to put those in your, in your column called next, and you're gonna do a second round of prioritization. And you're gonna get very specific about what is the next thing that I need to be working on. And you're gonna pull that one thing into your in progress. That's wonderful. So like when I um, I try to prioritize and I put seven things for my daily plan, so maybe I can put my seven things in that next column Correct. and then uh, add another column, which would be my work in progress. And I just put one thing I could Absolutely. see. I could see how it would help me because even those seven things sometimes becomes overwhelming and I just want to finish one so I can go to the next one. And Sometimes I'm not able to focus on what I'm doing, so that's great. Yes, absolutely, and it. I and we again, we live by this as coaches ourselves, as agile coaches, as you know, leadership coaches, and it actually gets pretty funny because the people in our teams, we all have kanbans all over the house, and in absence. So one <laughs> of the things that we, one of the things that we use an electronic version of this, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have tested or tried already, is Asana. Now, I don't feel it's not my preference to use exclusively Asana. We use a complementary Asana plus something visual on the wall. However, Asana becomes really, or something electronic becomes really helpful if you have more than one person working on items. You can all stay very in sync, and especially in a day and age like this, where everyone is distributed and not really physical, you can continue to update your board. You can continue to move things across and add more things, and as a team, review this holistically, no matter where you are located. And then you can have your own version of that in your home, let's say. And my husband and I use this. We're always adding stuff in Asana, but then we're reviewing it on the wall. Yeah, that's wonderful because I I use Asana, but I have like, you know, to do in progress and done. But now I'm going to add another column next so that all my to do's are not on my head and only uh, one thing goes to work in progress. Yes, so. that's that's really good. And, and I would love to know how that works for you. I know that the, it for for myself and for, you know, our clients, it creates laser focus. And what that does as you create laser focus is the quality of your work starts to elevate and 
because you're focusing on this one thing until it's done, once it's done, you move it to done. Once that in progress column is open, then you can move something back in. And I have to tell you that one of the byproducts of this is the fulfillment and excitement that you feel, let's say at the end of the week, when you actually see your done column populated. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'll tell you. But like, sometimes it gets confusing between work projects and yes. home projects. Yes. So how do you implement, you know, this work team based approach to home team based approach? Yes, absolutely. So I can definitely share with you some links to some images afterward. But if you imagine those four columns, everyone listening here can get very creative. And we do all the time as coaches and consultants, we we get very creative with whatever tool we happen to be using. So imagine those four columns, you can actually create swim lanes going across. So let's say one swim lane that you can create cutting right across is family slash personal and then business. Let's say it works that way. And then you still have your backlogs. You have all of your family backlog stuff and you have all of your business backlog stuff. Now, we're going to get into a bit of a conversation about what makes this mechanism, this whole thing super successful. I'll jump into it now. One of the things, there are about six different things I'll mention. One of the things is being very clear on your policies and your definitions of those columns, as well as the different quadrants. So very high urgency means this specifically for me and my family and so on. And the more precise, the more effective that exercise will be. The more vague, the less effective it will be. So try to get really specific. In the same way, you're going to get as specific on the columns regarding the columns on your Kanban. So you can say as a policy, for example, I am going to call this kind of work. So maybe it's preparing for a podcast. I am going to start to what we call t-shirt size, all of the different things in my life. So this is considered extra large. This is large. This is medium. This is small. This is extra small. Let's say extra small is responding to this email for this client that, you know, has they've been asking for. So that's extra small. That'll probably take you a couple of minutes to do. Let's say I'm pretending. Let's say extra large is maybe coming up with content for a program. So what you want to do is try to figure out a way to t-shirt size. And the way that you do that is you say, okay, this thing is actually similar to this other thing I did a month ago and it took me X number of time and here's what I got from it. And so you're now starting to compare one against the other. So you'll t-shirt size and you'll also say as a policy, I will prioritize as an example, anything, any personal ticket over any business ticket, as an example, or you can say, in progress will allow me to do so I'll give you an example, my own personal life, my husband and I work very, very, very closely on all aspects of everything. He is my partner in everything, business and personal. So um, although that's the case, you know, coming up with our own podcast material, our own content, and so on, from a business perspective, the majority of that lays with me. The majority of figuring out how the kids are going to get back to school and, you know, the homework schedules and extracurriculars, the majority of that lays with my husband. So now we can say we are able, we have a capacity of X number of tickets from a personal perspective, X number of tickets from a business perspective. And as a team, we will get through those things. That is wonderful. So how do you engage your kids in that? 
Well, the good thing is, so the way that we set this up, usually now we have a big whiteboard, you know, glass whiteboard in our home office. If you don't have that, again, you know, painter's tape creating columns and it doesn't have to look pretty is equally as effective. It's beautiful. The funny thing is when you start to write out different tasks on stickies and you know, in the same way that you would create those swim lanes across the board, you can break those out even further into team members, which we would do with actual business clients. But you can do this as well at home. So my old, my 13-year-old will have his own swim lane and the 7-year-old will have his swim lane and they will each have age-appropriate responsibilities. And the great thing about this, and you guys, you know, for those of you who have children, you should, I, I encourage you to test this out. They love stickies. They love the colors. They can eat. So let's say Nathan's stickies are all blue and Nolan's stickies are all green and mommy's are pink and daddy's are purple. They love the idea of being able to, you know, move things. And children also get excited when they see all the stuff in the done column that they've gone through. So it actually works out. It actually works out pretty good for us. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's something I can also try. It may, it may motivate the kids to do some of the things that you want them to do, but yeah. it's kind of not motivating not the priority. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's say if I get things done, how how can I increase my motivation to do more? What I'd like to do is is go so there's definitely at the end of whether it whatever works for you, whether it's a day or at the end of the week. I would recommend you take you actually pause and take a look at your done column. That done column really does a lot of good for you in terms of replenishing you and making you feel fulfilled and gratified. Look at all of the things I completed and look at all of the things we completed as a team. Forcing yourself to pause. And I'm not good at this, by the way. I force myself to do this. I'm not. An, my husband's really good at this. I am not good at pausing. As soon as something's done, I'm on to the next thing and on to the next thing. And I have to force myself to pause and go, huh, I actually did. I did a lot this week. And in your mind, sit with that for a moment and celebrate that moment on your own or, or with your squad. That's wonderful. So one of the other things I just I'll run through these probably a little quickly, but I'd like to share. I think it's important for your viewers to understand the other things that make this very successful. Lowering your work in progress down to one in your in progress column is very valuable. It creates laser focus. So that would be the first thing was definitions and policies. The second thing is lowering your what we call whip down to one. The next thing is make sure and a lot of people make this mistake they say in a day i can do i can stretch myself and do 10 things but that's you're setting yourself up for possible failure because stuff happens in life so you want to make sure that in those columns you're leaving yourself space for now in a business context we would call them expedited items so maybe it's something a regulatory issue that's come up right that takes precedence over everything else leave yourself space for one of the one or two of those expedited items you don't know what's going to come up and if your schedule is jammed then you don't have the ability to be able to address those things well or something's going to fall back and by the way pulling things back in your kanban is very it's perfectly acceptable the fourth thing is review your board daily or weekly either on your own or with your squad the fifth is identify your squad. So, you know, I don't know who that is for, for everyone. Again, for me, it's my husband, my two kids and, and, you know, potentially my mother, but identify those people. And especially for women, 
I find men are really, really good at this, but for women, it's really hard to ask for help. And this kind of reframes that whole narrative, right? You're not asking for help. You're addressing, you know, everything that you get done as a team. So figure out who that squad is and, and add them to your entire process. And the fifth thing, the sixth thing, and the final thing is chunk. We recommend that you chunk out your day instead of aggressively scheduling your day, one meeting after another, after another, it's very freeing to say within these, this three hour period, I'm going to work on whatever I, what, whatever's in my in progress column. And it gives you again, space. So those are the things that will really make this whole system very successful for you. That's wonderful. I learned so much today. Do you have any last message before we go into our special? Well, the, the, the one thing that I would say to anyone listening is we, we ask our clients, especially the organizations, to experiment, experiment with things, try stuff out. And so that's what I'm going to ask with, for you know everyone here listening is try it on. I, I, one expression that I use is try it on. When you go out and you're shopping for a shirt, you tend to try stuff on to see how it fits. In that same vein, I challenge everyone listening to try some of this on and see how it feels try it on for a week and take a look at your done column and see what your whole throughput has been but also and more importantly see how you feel so do you feel a sense of you know like fulfillment and gratification and closure with a lot of the work that you've done do you feel less overwhelm and more in control so try it on and the results that I have seen for myself and for others have been phenomenal with these techniques. So that would be my last parting, parting words. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I'd ask uh, people who are listening, if you can put in the comments, what tip do you think you can apply in your life? Let's kind of hear from Shiliza. She was talking about a gift that she can share. So yeah. can you tell us about your free resource that you were going to share with us? Yes, absolutely. So as a leadership consultant, I have been asked a lot lately about this whole topic of influence. So whether it's in your personal life and influencing the people around you in your in your personal life or influencing your boss or influencing your team leaders, a lot of people don't really feel like they have the influence. First of all, in an organization, it's not something that's really emphasized as a skill that needs to be sharpened. And we say this is a skill that you need to learn how to develop. So there are lots of people out there who don't know even where to start. They, they say, I don't have influence. I have no clue where to start. Well, I've created a guide for everyone to just flip through and it will help give you the first several steps on how you can start to increase your influence, whether it's within your organization or personally. That's wonderful. And so if you want to get this guide, please go ahead and text us at uh, text the word joyful at this number 38470. And we'll send you the link to this guide. And if Shaliza, people want to reach you directly, what's your web address? Yeah, so everyone can uh, check out the content that's on shalissab.com. And if you'd like to reach me directly, you can reach out to info at shalissab.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Wonderful. And so just a reminder to everybody, we we bring a lot of value every week in these programs. So please, uh, if you find somebody who can benefit from these programs, please share and join us every Saturday right here. And so are you ready for the special of the day? 
So, you know, I have uh, seen that a lot of people, even when they are prioritizing, they put all these things that they have to do. And many times their self-care is somewhere in here. They think about their work, they think about their family, but many times they forgot to take care of themselves. And then what happens is that the people they care about, they start uh, they start feeling that as a burden because they start uh, losing their ability to take care of themselves. So one technique that has helped me can also help you because once I started using that, it helped me to bring the balance back and increase my emotional resilience so I could be there for others more. So would you like to learn that? And so I call it priority journal. So it kind of builds up on what Shalaza was talking about. But every morning when I'm doing my gratitude journal, after that, I write priorities of the day. And instead of making the whole list of all the things I have to do, I make first circle is self. And then I write down what I'm going to do for myself. The second circle is family. And then I write down what I want to do for my family then work and I write down things that I had to do for work and uh, then community or what I want to do for others for service. And so putting that in that kind of system would allow you to ensure that you do at least one thing every day to take care of yourself and prioritize taking care of your family before you kind of jump to the work. So let me know if you try it and how it works for you and stay safe and healthy and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you, Shaliza. Thank you so much, Dr. Rosina.